Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albron. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Everybody to another edition of Sports Daily. It is a midweek edition of Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, alongside you on this Wednesday. It's hump day. Uh, we are in the Super Bowl off week. The absurdity will begin next week. This is sort of a week to get work done in the NFL. Uh, I heard on the Chiefs Kingdom show right here on KFH last night, Mark Donovan uh, and Mitch Holt is talking about, you know, not, not winning the game in this week, but certainly being able to lose the game in this week. And, you know, when you've got the experience there, that's, I think, the advantage to the experienced team. But San Francisco's got plenty of it, too. Uh, but we'll get into the Super Bowl. We'll continue to look ahead to it as we make our way through on this uh, Wednesday. We've got reactions coming for K-State KU basketball last night. Uh, and we'll, we'll also look ahead to the Shockers tonight. We'll have Wichita State Athletic Director, we believe, on uh, top of the next hour uh, to talk about everything going on there, get the latest on his thoughts on the way the programs are handling things right now, get uh, the latest on Cessna Stadium's remodel at the same time. Jad Chambers, man in that KFH hotline for you at 869-1240. We'll give away some HTOT and coffee as well throughout the show. Excited about it? Big day? It's all big day when you got a Super Bowl coming up. Tommy, how are you? I'm good, man. I know it's kind of that calm before the storm getting ready for the Super Bowl next week. I wish I was going to Vegas. I don't know. Have you seen the ticket prices for what the Super Bowl looks like? I mean, it is, it's always crazy, but it is through the roof crazy for this year. Do you wish you were going to Vegas? I always I, wish I've, I was going to Vegas. Well, right. No, I mean for this particular <laughs> event. I, I love Vegas, too. It's my favorite place, even though it's gotten absurdly expensive. Uh, but I don't like I, I I've done a Super Bowl and it's a it's a mess, man. Like it is a lot to deal with. And I'm I suppose if you were going as a fan, uh, it would be a pretty cool experience. I can't imagine paying that kind of money for it. The game itself, I'll tell you, was unbelievably awesome. But everything leading up to it, it's a rat race. 
It's going to be interesting well, I think in it's, Vegas. I, I think Vegas the, is equipped yeah. to handle it. I will say that. I think it's because I've never been, and I know you've gotten to do one before, so you know what it's like. Yeah. I've never, I've never done that, and I can only imagine the spectacle with Vegas and everything surrounding that, and just the way that I mean, just the tourism dollars. I mean, coming into any yeah. city for the Super Bowl is insane. I can only imagine what it's going to look like for Vegas. Vegas may be the most equipped city in the history of sports to handle a Super Bowl because you you have like the facilities to just enjoy it all everywhere all over the city. So that part will be fun. But yeah, like Miami, you know, you're not working with a lot of real estate there. Like everything's crammed in there and it's it's just a lot of traffic and uh, it's an it, it is an amazing experience and so full of distractions which, you know, if, if I'm these two teams like I, I'm not showing up one second before we're oblo- obligated to do it because I don't. Like, Did you see where the two teams it's are? It's hard staying? not to enjoy yourself. No, like both teams are at like 30 minutes away from the strip. Good. They're in like resort towns, like away from yeah. Vegas, away from all Good. the action. Like they're nowhere near the craziness going on uh, around Allegiant. Well, that's that's the way to do it, and those resort casinos are fun too. Like they're they're their own different experience at the same time. It's all. It's all fun. I love it. And, uh, you know, we'll have a crew out there for 12 News, by the way. Brandon Zenner, TJ Cleland. We'll, we'll probably – we'll get some reports from them next week from Vegas. Just take in some of the experience. I'll have them uh, pop on throughout the week and, and let us in. They were both at the Super Bowl last year, too, in Glendale, which was probably, you know, probably a lot like Miami, where it's just like, meh, you know, we're here. Uh, there's a big game, and then we move on. Vegas – no, sorry, last year was – yeah, last year was Glendale. Yeah, last year was when was the LA Super Bowl? They didn't make the LA Super Bowl. That's what it was. Yeah, that that was I believe that was the Bengals and Rams season, wasn't no, it? No, the Rams didn't play in their home stadium. All right, what what, what I am I remember. missing here? Was what, was uh, last year? Where did they play the Super Bowl last year? I thought that was Glendale. No, last year last year was LA, right? Last year was LA. Two years Glendale, ago was Glendale, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I think that's right. This is totally off the rails, and who cares, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, no, last year was last year was Glendale. Okay, last year was Glendale. Anywho, um, all right. So we we will get into the Super Bowl. We'll get into some of the new height stuff that drops today from Travis and Jason Kelsey. I have not sorted through that. I'll do that during the breaks a little bit because there'll be all kinds of good stuff in there. I'm sure uh, you can hear the New Heights podcast, by the way, on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. But you can get it on the Odyssey app, so get it there. Let's talk about some basketball last night, Tommy. We'll start with the good. KU comes out and does exactly what it needs to. No Kevin McCuller. I think surprised what surprised me. I was not expecting that. Uh, But he doesn't play, and KU probably plays its – I mean, do we want to call it its best game when you're playing Oklahoma State? But but I think when you consider and remember how they haven't covered big spreads and done all these things, in a lot of ways, I think it kind of is your best game when you go out and win by 39 points and you don't have McCuller and you're coming off of a loss and you know what's ahead of you in the Big 12. I I do kind of like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, they were able to get all five starters and double figures. Elmarco Jackson starts in place of Kevin McCuller. And what I like about a game like that against Oklahoma State is it allows the the young guys, Johnny Furphy, Elmarco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, Jamari McDowell, it allows those newcomers on the team to have a little bit of a, a less pressure-filled conference game. 
Um, and and it, it is a little bit of a breather in the juggernaut of the Big 12. And so, you know, I was watching the game last night and I just thought to myself, man, I wish that Kansas could play Oklahoma State every single game, um, you know, as opposed to just the rat race that is the Big 12. Uh, but no, it was a good showing overall. And especially when you don't have Kevin McCuller, who's probably the best overall player in the Big 12 uh, playing in the game. Now, I don't know what his status looks like moving forward. Of course, they, they need to have him in this upcoming stretch as they play Houston and, you know, K-State and the Sunflower Showdown and other teams, they, they've got to have McCuller back. So maybe that was just a precautionary move to sit him, give him some rest. Uh, but, I mean, still, yeah, an overall good outing for the Jayhawks last night. Yeah, I mean, look, it, and, and it was it, what's interesting to me, the thing that stands out the most is Dewan Harris. So we all know the numbers now. Like, it stares at all of us in the face. When he scores, they win. And, of course, he scores 12 last night, and they win huge. Bill Self, after the game, talked a lot about, and he put some of this blame on himself. Like, we all just need to leave him alone. Like, that dude is nothing but a winner, always, always has been, always will be. Maybe we should just leave him alone and let him do what he thinks is best for the team. And that was an interesting point because I think some of the pressure this year for KU has sort of fallen into him as a scorer, which, yeah, the numbers we've talked about a million times when he scores, they win. But it is unfair for us to shoulder, you know, this burden on him to do something he's never done before. Like he's never been that kind of player and he's always found success. And so, I think sometimes when you have really successful people like that, it's like, just let them do their thing. And I think that's what Bill Self was trying to say. Like, let's just back off of him and let him do what he needs to do. And I think we'll be a better team. Well, clearly they were last night. It will be interesting to see if Dewan Harris continues that. My guess is absolutely not. He will not do that because he's never done that. In this, and this isn't some revelation in the last two weeks that if he scores, they're a much better offensive team. I'm going to guess he just sort of lets the game come to him and do what he thinks needs to be done. Last night, you know, for him, turnover-wise, one turnover, right? That's that's as promising probably as anything. Seven assists. His assists have felt down to me too, and I haven't looked at the stats on that, just watching the games, but one turnover, seven assists. And maybe that's what we need to focus on as much as the points. Great if he gets them. He took nine shots. Nine. Like, he doesn't ever take nine shots. So, that's that's good. That's good. Like, that, let's let's get a little bit more of that. I don't know if it's all directly related to him. All the starters got double digits. But, you know, some of that stuff happens when you just come in and, and house a team like that. Um, but I do think it's I, – I think Harris has become, you know, sort of the poster boy this year for some of this. But, man, he had eight and nine points against Cincinnati and Iowa State, and we didn't feel like they played their best in those games. And he did have shot volume there. So I think Bill Self's right. I think it's time to leave Dewan Harris alone. I think it's time to appreciate what he does, hope he does it at a high tick if the scoring comes great. But it's probably more important that all five starters are in double figures when you don't have Kevin McCuller and those kinds of things more than just looking at Dewan Harris and the very obvious, did he get to double figure scoring or not? Well, and I, I didn't even really think about Dewan Harris much during the game. I mean, that, and that's the thing. I know that when Harris scores. That's when he's the best, though. 
he's the best think, when you're not right? thinking about him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. When, when he doesn't pop up and you're like, oh, yeah, Dewan Harris is over there doing that. Like, he just kind of blends in. And when he blends in and when he just does his thing, I think that's when he's the best. And that's when the Jayhawks play their best. I'll tell you what did stand out to me. And one, I guess, negative in the overwhelmingly positive game that we saw last night is K.J. Adams has to be better at getting rebounds. He had two rebounds in the game. Now, he shot the ball great. He was 7 of 7 from the field, had 16 points, you know, made his free throws. That was all well and good. But he's the four, and he got two rebounds in the game. And what ends up is what's going to end up happening. It didn't end up hurting them against the Cowboys. But what will end up happening is once they get into a more tough stretch of Big 12 play and then into the tournament and all of that, is that teams are going to just double Hunter Dickinson automatically. If they know that K.J. Adams is not going to be a presence in the post to be able to go up and get an offensive rebound, they can just put two guys on on Dickinson. And I know that that opens up Adams for mid-range jumpers, and he's worked on that game, and he's gotten a lot better at that, and he was able to do that a couple different times last night. That's what his game is, mid-range jumpers or dunks. But And that's great, and that's all well and good, but if he's not a threat to get offensive rebounds, then at that point you're putting that much more pressure on Hunter Dickinson. And so it didn't hurt them, obviously, last night against Oklahoma State, but I think it could moving forward. Well, I've wondered about his rebounding for a while. He went through a stretch in early January where it seemed like cuz it was not it's it hadn't been good all year right like he was not rebounding to the you know to to the standard we put on him as a rebounder because of the type of physical specimen he is but then well he's know, only going averaging back, it, 4 rebounds a game that's what i'm saying like that's not that doesn't feel good enough so then he gets to the game against Wichita State and he rattles off 11 10 7 and 10 rebounds and you're like okay yeah. there it is right feels good then 4 4 3 5 2 so I don't know enough, and I, I meant to ask this to Shreyas yesterday, and I, I just we didn't have time. I don't know if I, I just don't know why that's happening because you know physically it should just sort of happen by accident, right? And it's not, and I'm not sure why that is, and I don't know if there's something in the design of things that's preventing it. That that's what I don't have a good grasp of. So I'm curious about that. Why isn't K.J. Adams rebounding more than he is? You know, he's not the tallest player at his position, but he's a monster athletically. And he, he looks like he would be a great rebounder, right? How many, how many rebounds, if you have it pulled up, is, is Kevin McCuller averaging? Because I'll bet it's more higher. More than that, yeah. It's got to be more and, than and it's And that's interesting, right? Like I, you, you, and, and McCuller's obviously built to be a great rebounder too, but you'd look at it and you're like, I mean, Johnny Furphy's out rebounding mm-hmm. KJ Adams last night. I, I don't know what that is, and and I'm curious to know what that is. But we can look into that or, or try to get some insight on that. I'll, I'll go back and and look and see if Bill Self's talked about that at all it, at it any was, point. But you know, it was also an opportunity, you know, to have El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake, who you know he didn't again. Timberlake didn't shoot the ball particularly well. He was one of five from three, had seven points in 25 minutes. But it was an opportunity for them to get off the bench to play a little bit more. El Marco Jackson started, got into double figures. There were some flashes from Jackson that in the game last night, I thought, okay, this is why the Jayhawks like him. And if he can do this more consistently as the conference season rolls on, then he's going to be that spark off the bench that we've been looking for for Kansas you know, for a long time. So assuming McCuller is healthy and he's able to come back, if we can get the El Marco Jackson for the rest of the conference season and beyond – 
the way that he played last night, then that's going to bode well, I think, for the rotation for the Jayhawks moving forward. Nick Timberlake shot 25% from the field. That's obviously not going to be good enough. But, however, he did some other things that could get him minutes, right? He was a good rebounder. Speaking about rebounding. Um, six rebounds in 24 minutes? Heck yeah. He had two steals. Okay? Like, there are other ways that Nick Timberlake could sure. be useful to this he team. He can impact the game in other ways. And, and, and it hasn't felt that way. Uh, because it feels like he either needs to shoot threes or not do anything. But and but they brought him in to be that assassin from three. That's why he's there. That's what he did at his previous stop. That's why they brought him to Kansas. And so you would expect for a player like Nick Timberlake to be that guy that when the team needs a clutch three late in the game in a one-possession game or whatever, he's he is supposed to be that guy. And he hasn't been. And that's why we've seen Johnny Furphy get more of the extended minutes because he's been doing that at a better clip than Timberlake has. You know, there were a stretch of shots where, and and keep in mind, you know, he did get extended minutes. He did score seven points. But keep in mind, that was as low pressure of a Big 12 game as you're going to find inside Allen Fieldhouse against the worst team in the conference. And there was a stretch of shots that Timberlake made that was like brick, 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 brick. And it's like, okay, we've been waiting on this to come through for three months now, and it hasn't. And, and I just, I'm, I don't think that we ex- should expect that it's going to happen anytime soon, or at all. No, I, I don't either. But again, you, they need, they just need other players, right? They just, they just need, not, not. He, I don't know that it's fair to say he's going to come off the bench and hit a bunch of shots. They still need him. You know, like they still need him to be a useful player because they're so thin. Yeah. Like, can you can you give us anything? And last night he did, and that was good to see. That that's just, this just a Nick Timberlake did a good job uh, piece here. So nice job by KU. They get it done. They had to have it. They have seven out of their last eleven opponents are ranked teams. This was not one of them. Now you get to welcome in Houston this weekend, and we'll see. And we'll have much more on that game. But they did exactly what they needed to do in this game. Thank you for uh, Rick on our video stream reminding us the Rams did win in L.A. So I'd forgotten. We, yeah. you know, we went so long without a home team Super Bowl. And then we got two in a row uh, with Tampa and, and L.A. They both won, by the way. Um, we'll see if the Super Bowl's ever come to Arrowhead. Probably not. Maybe after the renovations that they, we'll see what they get on their vote. Story for another day. Let's talk about K-State when we come back. That was not as good. We'll get that next on Sports Daily. Six nine twelve forty. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. So it was a great night for KU. It was not a great night for K State. Um, I don't, you know, it's almost this, they get beat by 20 again, this time at home to Oklahoma. I'm not sure, Tommy, and it, it, it almost feels like we're getting to this point where, right, they they are who we thought they were, Um, I, I think, probably, right? Like, I, I think they, they overachieved a little bit. I, I don't. 
you don't like the the margins they've lost their last couple to. I think it's just probably closer to K-State can lose a home game to a really good Oklahoma team, and it shouldn't surprise us. Like, K-State has always felt like, again, we've talked about the ceiling forever, and then they vastly overachieve, and it's like, well, maybe the ceiling is to win this thing. But probably that was unreasonable when you just think about the roster itself, I mean, at at its core, that it, it always has felt like sort of a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team, or at least it did coming into the year. You know, that felt more like the ceiling, just get to the tournament. We talked about that a lot. And I'm wondering now if K-State's just more of who we thought they were and the beginning was overachieving. And now it's like, okay, you got to get settled back in, though, and still get enough of these big wins to be able to reach the NCAA tournament. Because right now, by the net rankings, they'd be on the outside looking in. They may not get in. But, you know, that it's way too far to say things like that. I, I don't know what to make of these last couple of losses, but they've, they've been not pretty. Well, keep in mind, in their three-game losing streak, the three teams they played were all top 25 teams. Sure. Right? You know, so it's been a, a difficult stretch. I mean, it's, it's going to continue to be a difficult stretch for Kansas State outside of the Oklahoma State game this weekend because after that, you've got Kansas, you've got BYU, you've got TCU. So you've got three more ranked teams that you're playing up against after the Oklahoma State game playing, this weekend. You're, you're always playing, playing ranked. ranked but yeah, I mean, that's right? the juggernaut of the Big 12. It just That's the way that it is. But, you know, I think that what's more concerning for the Wildcats in the last two games, it's that margin that you mentioned. Yeah. You know, getting blown out by Houston, getting blown out by Oklahoma. You know, they did beat Baylor. That wasn't that long ago, and they were a top-10 team. But the other losses that they've had – against ranked opponents you go back to when they played Miami you know that was an eight point loss USC that was a seven point loss or no it was a little bit more than that it was just over 12 points uh, 13 points in that opening game uh, when they played USC but the margins you know while they weren't great they weren't getting blown out of the water like we've seen the last two games that's the concerning part for me is that you're not only playing Oklahoma in Houston but you're losing to them by large margins. And that's going to be the thing I think that they're going to have to work on and figure out how do you keep those games more close? Right. And, you know, it, it's it's difficult to – because the talent for them is not as high as a lot of these Big 12 teams. I, I think that part's right. And, and look, the the margin against Oklahoma got out of control because they got off to such a slow start, and then it sort of just stayed the same, right? So – I don't know because it's all it's always been about expectations for K-State always and I just don't know what they should be I still don't know what they should be I, I mean I it's like where they keep winning all these games and they're sitting at the top and they're you know a last second win against Tech from being the lone remaining unbeaten team and you're like okay yeah like I guess they're I guess they're there but it's but it's been like you've been hesitant to say it right it's never been definitive yeah. it's not like oh yeah this is the best team in the bit because if I just Looked, you know, I if I just had to look at the team we've that you know what we've seen this far from teams, I would put Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, TCU, Texas Tech, I guess now Oklahoma and Baylor all ahead of Kansas State still. You know what I mean? Like now, what does that mean for K State? Probably nothing, right? You get a, you get into the tournament, you don't worry about it. Those teams are all going to be ranked by the end of the year, probably. 
So it's not that big a deal, but it's it's what we sort of thought to begin with. Like, is this the sixth best team? But then they vastly overachieved. So I don't know. I like I'm sort of back to like where where can they finish in this thing? Yeah, it was cold shooting last night. That's just as simple as it is. They only scored 19 points in the first half. And really, I, I was following along with the scoring in the first half at one point. I think with only a few minutes left to go in the first half, they had nine. You know, just they did not get off to a good start shooting the basketball. And really, Tyler Perry was the only one that made shots. I mean, he was the only player in double figures. Cam Carter did not shoot the ball well, and that's that's unlike him. You know, we've seen him carry this team offensively uh, for multiple games, and he was 2 of 12 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, 5 points overall for him. That's an off night for Cam Carter. It's concerning that it happens at home. Uh, you know, but that's just the reality of the situation. Arthur Kaluma got in foul trouble, ultimately fouled out of the game, um, you know, turned the ball over way too much, and he didn't shoot the ball well. That was a forgettable night for Arthur Kaluma also. I think that when this team has overachieved, when they have played at a level where you look at them and you say, okay, well, I mean, this could potentially be a team that could compete for a Big 12 title, you've got a full, complete effort. It's a team effort from everybody contributing. It's not a team that you can rely on one or two guys to come through and, you know, that's going to lead that team to victory. You've got to have multiple options and all the players playing well at the same time. That's how they beat Baylor. You know, that's how they were able to come from behind late in that game, tie it up and force overtime and then ultimately get the win with Arthur Kaluma's four point shot. It was because multiple players contributed. And last night against the Sooners, it was really Tyler Perry and nobody else. Well, and Porter Mosier talked after the game about doing that, right? Yep. We know we got to take we got to take two of three of them away, basically, is what he said, and that's what they did. And and K State, you know, when you don't have Naquan Tomlin and you have these things, like they're thin, and they've always been like the metrics have not liked K State all year, even when they were going through the streak. They've they've, you know, in, in the metrics they haven't been good. And I don't I, again, I'll fully admit I'm not smart enough to understand that stuff, but I do look at it, and it's like okay. They gotta, they gotta get a little better, probably. And I mean, they're they're thin in the post, like all the things that were always going to be challenges for them are still going to be challenges for them. But how do they overcome it, right? Oklahoma had a, an unbelievable game plan last night, and they executed it perfectly. They took away exactly what they wanted to take away, which was a couple of their, you know, three key guys: Kaluma, Carter, Perry. I mean, I, I, I just, I, that's not going to happen every time. K-State will be an interesting team down the stretch here. Can they find enough wins? So right now, as we look at the Big 12, K-State's right in the middle at 4-4, four and four, which would be tied for 6th, uh, I believe. So, okay, you got four losses already. Still to come here, you're going to have over your next five games, Oklahoma State on the road. you got to get that one. You've got Kansas at home. BYU on the road, TCU in Texas on the road. Like if we're being realistic, you you know, you like your chances at Oklahoma State. The metrics still love BYU and that's on the road, so I don't know that you can count on that. Maybe you look at the BYU game at home, you certainly look at the West Virginia game at home. At Cincinnati gets interesting and then you finish at Kansas and home against Iowa State. So, if we're looking at these final 13, what do, they, what do they have? Three, three, ten. six, nine, ten, just ten like more. Kansas. So you got ten games. I mean, are, do you think they're going to win more than three of them? Four, maybe? 
and you're going to be under 500 at that point in the league. Where does that put you in the league? I don't know. I don't know, Tommy. Like, I don't I don't know that they're going to win more than three or four of their next ten. Yeah, I think if you look at the next three, well, actually the next four, you've got to go two and two in those next four. You've got to beat Oklahoma State. That becomes a must-win game on the road in Stillwater. Sure. I'll, I'll give you that one. You're probably not going to get Kansas in Manhattan, although crazier things have happened. Um, BYU on the road is going to be difficult. And then, you know, if you can knock off TCU at home, then at that point you've gone two and two in your next four. You're still at 500. And then, you know, at that point, you can reassess. I'm not. I'm not willing yet to go through I, the the final ten games and tell you how many of those ten I think they're going to win because the team on January 31st might be different than the team on March 9th, right? But I am willing to look at the next four and tell you that in the next four they've got to get Oklahoma State and they've got to get TCU. I don't think they're going to get Kansas and I don't think they're going to get BYU. But at that point, you're still at 500. Tommy, I think TCU. I I, I keep going to like. TCU might be the team I want to take in and like take as my dark horse winner of the Big Twelve. I really like TCU. I'm just saying Remember that Kansas? you've got them at home, and and you know considering you've got them at home, um, yeah, it's the only time you're going to face them this season. You don't have a a home and home with them. You know, I think that that's that's going to be. I think that's more likely than them going on the road to BYU and getting a win in the game prior to that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I just think. And, and if you're saying you got to have one of those two, uh, yeah, okay. But but to do what, right? Like you got to have it to do what? And I guess again, to stay at that goes back in the to conference. Well, they're not going to be 500 in the conference by the end of the year. I don't. I'm not think. saying by I, the like, end I of the year. I'm saying in the next four games. No, I know. You can I know. Go two and two, then you stay 500 at that point, and then you can reevaluate what's next. But like looking at it in totality, right? Like I don't think they're going to be 500 in the league overall, and I hope I'm wrong about that, and I hope they they prove us wrong, like they have so many times this year. But if they're not, which I think is far more likely, what what can they be, and can it be enough to get into the NCAA tournament? Again, if you're just going off net rankings, which we know is important, of all of these teams, K State's behind UCF still. In the Big 12 right now, K-State's, I think, 12th in the net rankings. And maybe even 13th, or 11th, sorry, in the net rankings. They're only ahead of West Virginia and Oklahoma State. That's it. In the net. And I don't know where they are in Ken Palm. I can pull that up real quick. But the, but what, what becomes a bigger challenge to me is are they going to be able to, you know, get into the tournament they're going to have to have some big wins to to increase that net and probably like road wins. So if I'm looking at them right now, so that's where they are in the net. In the Ken Palm, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. They're 12th in the Ken Palm too. Ken Palm and the net are in, are in lockstep on that. Yep. They're behind UCF and both by almost the exact same margin. So I'm telling you, like if we're if we're talking about, you know, a year where – nine teams gets in and they're, they're not going to get in as it currently stands. And so, you know, Kansas will be safe, obviously for that conversation. Kansas state's not safe to get into the NCAA tournament at this point. I think that their ceiling, I think Kansas state's ceiling right now is to play their way into safety in the NCAA tournament, because I agree with you. You look at all the metrics 
They're on the bubble. Well, they won't. I mean, they're on the bubble. They will not make it in as the 12th best Big 12 team. Yeah. They won't. What I'm saying is that they've got to play their way into, you know, being able to be secure in that. So they've got to get, like you mentioned, some road wins as the conference season plays out. I think the best case scenario right now for Kansas State, and you never know, they could vastly overachieve in the second half of the Big 12 schedule. But I think what's most likely to happen is that you've got this team that. You know, best case scenario, they finish at 500 in conference. They end up, you know, what? What's that? Ten more games. So you're nine and nine oh, I, in, in. Yeah, Big I 12 think if play. they're 500 in conference, they'll be fine. But I mean, but, they, but look at, at their point. look at their. To- I mean, if that would be their total record would be nine and nine in the conference if they finish yeah. 500, and they would be 19 and 12 overall. If you can get a win or two in the Big 12 tournament, I think 20 and 12 or 21 and 12. Looks a lot better than nineteen and twelve or nineteen and thirteen if they get bounced in the first round of the NCAA or the of the Big Twelve tournament. So I think at that point you're looking at a more secure berth into the NCAA's. I mean the law of averages right now says if you're five hundred in the league, you're gonna be right in the middle of like six, seven, maybe eight. That would probably be because at that point, if they get to that point, they're gonna have far more quality wins, right? They don't have any cup they only have one cupcake left. So you're looking at quality wins, and I guess West Virginia. So they have two cupcakes left. And the rest of them, you're, you're resume building if you get any of the wins. So I think if they're 500 in the league, they'll be fine. But looking at the rest of their schedule over the next 10 games and finding five wins, that's, that's where the challenge comes. Re, like this game against BYU on the road is going to be a tremendous opportunity for them. BYU right now is the second highest rated team in all the metrics, right? Still BYU. BYU, Tommy, is ahead of Kansas, right? So they're ahead of Iowa State. They're ahead of Kansas. Like, if you if you look at just that kind of stuff, they're the second best team in the Big 12. Now, their record doesn't say that they are, but again, the metrics do, and that stuff matters. That becomes a tremendous opportunity. Because I think if you look, I don't care what the metrics say, going to BYU doesn't scare me as much as going to Ames, Iowa. Just And that's just based on what we know historically. So that maybe is the opportunity, right? you got to look for that kind of stuff and know that Kansas State in almost all of its games the rest of the way will be playing teams that are metrically better than they are. They're all opportunities to pick up quality wins. It sort of becomes this question of, you know, and, and I think we know the answer to it when we talk about tournament resumes. What's better, a quality win or a bad loss? And a quality win's always been better, right? They they it, It's like when you hear the people that study this stuff, they're, they're not talking about how many quad one losses you have. They're talking about how many quad one wins you have. And maybe you have five of them, and maybe you're five and seven in the quad one, but the conversation's always like, oh, they got five quad one wins, Right. Well, so I think when you're it, comparing that, you're you're comparing losses in a higher quadrant versus wins in a lower quadrant. You know, so it's a, a quad one loss versus totally. a quad two win. That's usually the way that those two things are. are or compared. a quad four loss right. ends up hurting you, right? But but I do think that I, I guess what I'm trying to come around to in a long way is I don't know that there are losses outside of Oklahoma State and West Virginia. I don't know that there are losses that are going to hurt K State. Like that, I don't that think will, so. honestly, they'll they'll be irrelevant to their tournament resume. It's only about how many wins you can pick up. Again, you have got to beat West Virginia and you have got to beat Oklahoma State. But other than that, it's like how many of those other games can you get to add to your resume and can you boost it enough 
Because as great as the Big 12 is, I don't think they're taking 11 or 12 teams into the tournament. And when it comes to the tournament, they're not going to be looking at conference standings. They're going to be looking at net rankings. They're going to be looking at Ken Palm. They're going to be looking at all of that stuff. So that's where we have to look for K-State. And right now, they are not good in either of those places. Yeah, the only thing that I'll finish in saying is that Porter Mosier did a phenomenal job last night in, like you mentioned, taking away Kaluma and Carter. Left Perry to kind of try to get his and shoot his way through it, and he did. He did. But Kaluma and Carter were completely taken away. That's going to be the formula moving forward for Big 12 opponents in limiting what the Wildcats can do. You you cannot allow Kansas State to have a balanced offensive attack. Porter Mosier did a great job. He figured that out. Now Jerome Tang's got to counter and try to figure out a way around that. And it starts this weekend with Oklahoma State. It's kind of the same way when we talked about Kansas versus Oklahoma State in the last segment. That was a good breather for the Jayhawks. It, sure. it was a pretty close game the last time the Wildcats and the Cowboys played against each other in Bramlage. You got to bounce back at this point. Jerome Tang's got to yep. figure out a way to get it back to a balanced offensive attack for the Wildcats. And that's going to set them up hopefully nicely for the KU game next week. Drum Tang feels like he's pressing a little bit too, which I've never seen before. Just just a little bit. I could be I could be off about that. We'll we'll ask Tim Fitzgerald about that tomorrow. But I, it's felt a little like he's pressing more than he normally would, and I wonder why that is. Maybe he feels the pressure of getting into the NCAA tournament. All right, everybody, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll get a little Super Bowl chatter in here when we return. We've got Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul coming top of the next hour. The Shockers with a big one tonight. That you know they it's, it's kind of. <laughs> Kind of must win every every one of these games for them, it feels like. But we'll get into that. We'll get into the latest at Cessna Stadium. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the next hour. We'll give away some HTO before then, too. Stick around. We'll be back with more Sports Daily right after this. FH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Uh, So Super Bowl chatter is sort of quiet this week. It typically is. The big news, of course, the Charles Amenehue's out. Tommy, this feels like, oh, he said this yesterday. Say it again. It's time for Felix Anudike Uzama to, to have a coming out party. And I know we've all understood, the Chiefs have made it pretty clear, and we've understood that his acclamation was not going to be sudden and right away, but sort of a slow build. But you're now like a full regular season in. And so this would be a good time if you're going to utilize him and his skill set with a Minihue out to sort of let him eat if he can do it, right? If he's going to be a great NFL player, a good NFL player, this would be the time to sort of see it, I think. What an opportunity for him in this game. Yeah, that's the question. Can he do it? Uh, and, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's not uncommon. We saw it a year ago um, for a player to have a coming out party in the Super Bowl. Sky Moore had that coming out party in the Super Bowl a year ago against the Eagles. That obviously didn't pan out particularly well this season. 
but at least in the Super Bowl, he did. He kind of came up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Live and, um, you know, obviously had that touchdown catch to kind of seal the deal for Kansas City to beat the Eagles. Now you've got a necessity on the other side of the ball. And, you know, you don't have Charles and Minahue. Um, You know, you're kind of rocking with George Karloftis on one edge. And, um, you know, I know they've got some other guys that can fill in Mike Dana and, you know, some others that can step in. But you used a first-round draft pick on Felix Anudike Uzama. And FAU has been a healthy scratch for this entire playoff run. And I know that the— Since the, January 7th. Yeah, and I, I know the thought process behind it has been, okay, let's get him developed before we put him on a big stage. He got action earlier in the season. I'm not sure that the Chiefs really loved what they saw, but I think they see a project in him. The only issue with that is that he's a first-round draft pick, right? A first-round draft pick shouldn't always have to be a project. And on the biggest stage, when you're playing in the Super Bowl, you want your first-round draft picks to be able to show out a little bit. And so now they've got a necessity. I I think it's unlikely. I've I've seen people speculating that they could try to go out there and sign Frank Clark again for another Super Bowl. I don't think that's happening, guys. I don't think that's going to happen in this scenario. I don't think they're going to try to go out and sign anybody. I think they're going to utilize... The, the people that they have on their roster right now, and especially with the draft capital used up with Felix Anudeke Ozama, you want to see him be able to play at that big stage. So I don't know. I mean, going back to what you mentioned before, the question is, can he do it? He may have to. I'm just not sure that he's ready to go for that big of a stage. Well, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think he is, but it would be nice to see it. Uh, Mike Dana is played a ton. He'll He'll be the guy, I'm sure. We don't know that yet, but I'm sure. Uzama started the year, right, and was getting, through the first five weeks of the season, he was playing anywhere from a quarter of the snaps in a game to half of them, and then it fell off a cliff and went down steadily until week 18, right, when he played a lot when they didn't, and so, and and now none, of course, in the postseason. I don't think it's likely that we see a lot from him. I just think it would be the time to see it if he's going to have that major revelation this year. It may not come this you really year. Want... It may come after a full offseason and all of these things. But, you know, as a depth piece, I don't know that they have much of a choice. Yeah, you really want Felix and Yudike Uzama to be the one to have to try to stop Christian McCaffrey on the edge? In the no, Super Bowl? no, 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 no. What I, I'm, you know, what I I'm say, when I say coming out party, I don't mean he needs to get in there and start. I just mean, like, do you, can you put him in in obvious passing situations to try and disrupt Brock Purdy? 
can you find those spots on third and long where he comes in and makes a play? I think you could try to do that. Yeah, I do. But no, I don't think he's going to start. He's never done that before. You don't pick the Super Bowl to do that. Yeah. But I do think he he will have an opportunity most likely to make like a play, two plays, where you look back and you're like, okay, that's it. It may not come that fast. It may never come. We don't know. But the opportunity's there for the former Wildcat, who, you know, I liked as a prospect coming in. I don't know if he was a first-round pick, but I understood why the Chiefs did what they did. I, I, you know, I think it was an appropriate risk. We'll get more into that in hour number two when we return. Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joins the program. A lot to talk about with the Shockers, including a game tonight for men's basketball. We'll hit it all as we come back on Sports Daily. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.